word, guys. We're going to get back to John, the 17th chapter. And we started talking about it on yesterday, last Sunday, unity. Uh, I need you. Okay, unity. Uh, I shared with you on last week that God pressed this passage of scripture in my spirit, and I just can't seem to turn it loose. Uh, for some reason, I know, I know the reason, because uh, as, as we said in John, the 17th chapter, we see Jesus praying to the Father uh, uh, prior to his impending crucifixion on the cross of Calvary. Uh, and in, in actuality, as, as I told you on last week, this is really the Lord's prayer. You know, we commonly think of the Lord's prayer as our Father, which art, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. He was at that time teaching his disciples the model prayer, how to pray, what to include in prayer. But here is our Lord's prayer, and he's going to the Father. He's interceding on our behalf to the Father in heaven. Can I get a witness? So in John, the 17th chapter, we're going to read, and then we're going to pick back up. Uh, where we left off on last week. Let's go, if you will, to um, let's go to verse number 13. St. John, third chapter, verse number 13. Glory to God. Unity, I need you. And we need to be able to say that because uh, man is so prideful. We, we, we can be so prideful in our goings and comings that we feel like we don't need anybody. I'll just do life by myself. How many of y'all have been that way before? I, well, y'all don't need about you. You don't want to be around me. That's, that's cool. I'll just do it by myself. Anybody ever been there before? How many of y'all like me? Okay, let's, let's, some of y'all are real sociable, right? Some of y'all are the life of the party. Y'all, y'all, whenever you show up, the party lights up. It, do I have any of y'all out there? You just, I mean, anybody out there? Okay. All right. Some of y'all like that. Some of y'all are real sociable. And, and some of y'all enjoy being around people, right? And I enjoy being around people. But you know what? I've always said to myself, you know, I don't have to be around people. Am I the only one? I need some hands raised because y'all not going to leave me out here by myself. I'm like, you know, come on. Hey, hey, that's cool. If somebody comes over, that's good. But if they don't come over, if nobody came over for Christmas, my, my wife and I and the family, we would chill by ourselves and be okay. Ain't nobody coming over. Ain't nobody called. What's wrong with me? Ain't nothing wrong with me. But, but people who are like that have to be careful because what will happen is, 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 is you'll, you'll be okay with being by yourself. You'll be okay with not connecting with people. And part of our responsibility as born-again believers is to, is, to, is to be God's ambassador here on earth. Heaven is our home. This earth is not our home. We are ambassadors who are representing a heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God here on earth. And as a result of that, we have, to, we have to intentionally engage with people. All right? Even when you don't feel like it, God has called upon us to engage, to connect. So people like me have to be careful because I could be okay by myself. But really, if I'm going to please Jesus, I can't be okay by myself. Because he called me, he called you, he called you, he called you, he called all of us. To connect with people. I told you before, if you don't like people, you're not going to like ministry. I got to survey the audience. I said, if you don't like people, you're not going to like ministry because ministry is all about people. God has called us to connect with people. And so even if, if that's your natural bent or your tendency to be a, a, a by yourself, you got to learn how to not be by yourself anymore. Because God has called you to connect with people. All right, let's go to the word, okay? Jesus is praying to the Father. 
He says, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. Watch this. Let's keep reading. He says, I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Let's keep going, guys. He says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Text says they do not belong to this world any more than I do. I told you on last week when it says the world, it's not talking about this global atmosphere that we, we, we reside in. It's talking about the world's system, the world's way of doing things, the world's way of doing life. And we have to be careful and understand that as Christians, we're called to be citizens of the kingdom. Let me, let me, let me mess some of y'all's theology up right quick. Your kingdom theology should trump your American patriotism. If my American patriotism lines up with the kingdom, then I'm cool. But if it doesn't line up with the kingdom, it's got to take second place to the kingdom because I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. Are y'all tracking with me today? All right, so it says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. And by the way, I am patriotic as, as, as anybody in this country. But I realize that first and foremost, I am a citizen of the kingdom. And the kingdom guides my, my goings and my comings. Are y'all with me today? Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Let's keep going, guys. It says, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. The text says this, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Keep reading. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, I told you last week, but he's praying for us too, guys. Jesus right here just to praise for us today. I'm, I'm, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but, but also for all who would ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Can we read that out loud in on purpose again? I need this to sink in. Because I told y'all before, as I was sharing at the FCA prayer breakfast, the Independence Bowl breakfast, I told those guys, and, I, and I've, I've been saying this, I said, if I were the one who was trying to determine what, what was going to be the sign that, that, that God sent Jesus, I would have did a whole lot of other stuff. And you would have too. I told him, I would have, I would have said, okay, when you see me go to the graveyard and I just go out there and speak a word and everybody rises up from the grave, then they're going to know that God sent Jesus. After all, they rose from the dead. But how many of y'all know Jesus rose folks from the dead when he was on earth and people still didn't believe? Is that correct? If it was me, if I were in charge, but I'm not. If I were in charge, I would have said, okay, we're going we're gonna to go to the hospitals and we're going to put them out of business because we're going to go in there and, and as representative of God to show the world that God is legit, we're going to heal everybody in the hospital and nurses will lose jobs, doctors would have more need for you. Scott, I'm sorry. <laughs> Connie, I'm sorry. All you healthcare workers, I'm sorry because... If I were in charge, you wouldn't have a job. That's what I would do. But you know what? You could heal people. People have been miraculously healed. Uh, and, and there have been cases where doctors couldn't explain why that person got well. And people still don't believe in Jesus because somebody had a miraculous healing. 
Jesus did, did this while he was walking the earth. And people, his own family didn't believe in it. So, but, but that's what I would have done. But notice what Jesus says and what God the Father says. He says, I pray that they will be all one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world, the world, the world system, those who are not operating according to the kingdom, those who have not had a born-again experience, so that the world will believe that you sent me. Keep reading. Let's go, guys. He says this. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. 23 says, I am in them and you are in me. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. It, is, it, is, it boggles my mind that Jesus says the thing that is going to trip the world out and to get the world to believe and to know that you sent me, Father, is that when they see the unity amongst those who follow me. Unity. I need you. I need you. Uh, We did a study here, a group of us, uh, a few months back. Uh, Francis Chan has a book called Until Unity. Uh, and Francis says something in there that, that, that really struck my, uh, struck my uh, inner, inner being. He says, this, he says and I, I think I may have shared this before, he says, unity is difficult when all we do is talk. How many of y'all know some people who can talk good? Talk a good game. If, so, if talking did it, man, all, all of us in here would probably be, would be just, just, just the bomb. We, we would be just turn this world upside down if talk did it. He said, unity is difficult when all we do is talk. The early church produced a book of Acts. The modern church produced a book of talks. Their leaders died living out the gospel. We make a living by talking about it. He says, the more we bear fruit, the easier unity will be. When we begin to see one another conforming our actions and lifestyles to those of Jesus and the early church, we will be more prone to unite. See, when we come together and begin to, as James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving our own selves, then we'll begin to see the church of the Lord Jesus Christ uniting. I, te- I told you guys, I had, to, I had to come back and retract something that I've been saying uh, for a number of years, and I really actually believe this. I said that um, God is colorblind. How many of y'all ever said it before? Have y'all ever said we need to be colorblind? In other words, don't see anybody for their unique differences or their ethnicities because we all are one in Christ. And that is, that is true. We all are one in Christ. But I want you to understand the miracle of unity that God wants displayed has everything to do with our various ethnicities, Jew and Gentile, coming together into one body, the body of Christ. And as the world sees that beautiful mosaic of different ethnicities, different colors, coming together, working together, doing life together, serving together, serving the same God and and worshiping Jesus, when they see that happening, because they don't see it, they don't see it in the normal course of action, but when they see the church... Those different ones coming together, it's going to blow their mind. Because we, can we be honest about it? I I believe in being honest. If if we're really honest about it, the the church has, you know, 
God is using the church. I mean, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the, is the, is the family of faith, the tool, the instrument that God left in the earth realm to have kingdom impact. So all those folks, I'm, I'm, I'm through with church. You know, these, these non-churchers now, people who used to be in church, now they, 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 they're getting away from church. The church is still relevant. The true church is still relevant. Are y'all with me? And it's important for us to assemble together, to connect, to serve, to work together across denominational lines, across ethnicities, because when it's all said and done, we should be one in Christ. Y'all just studied. We did a theological study of the multi-ethnic church and how the apostle Paul was the purveyor of that truth by and large in the, in the New Testament, and he caught a lot of flack for it. Because he, being a Jew by birth, uh, began to, 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 to carry out his plan, God's plan for his church. And there are a lot of folks who didn't like it. But Paul didn't care what they didn't like. He knew he had an assignment. He's on assignment from God. When you're on assignment from God, listen, you start, listen, when you care about people, but, but when you're doing what God says do, do, and then people don't like what you're doing because you did what God says do, then you don't really care that they don't like what you're doing because you keep doing what you're doing because God said do it. I need, I need by, by, by way of a show of hands, how many of y'all out there have done something that God has told you to do? You saw it clear in his word, and people who you're in a relationship with didn't understand it or, they, or they got mad at you because of it. Anybody out there? They, they got upset with you. And what I discovered is everybody's not, everybody's not operating in the kingdom theology. Even though they may be born again, everybody's not pursuing God. Everybody's not trying to grow in their faith. You know, I've been pastoring for 32 years, and, and I, I've, stopped, I've stopped trying to make people do stuff. As a matter of fact, I learned a long time ago, what, what, what's, my, what's my motto? Grown people will do what grown people want to do. If, if you want to do something, you'll find a way to do it. And if you don't want to do it, you'll come up with an excuse why, you, why you're not doing it. So I, I, it, 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 it amazes me at some of the excuses that we come up with, and I just chuckle underneath my breath. because I said, if you really were trying to pursue God, that wouldn't be an obstacle for you. Are y'all tracking with me today? So, so we, 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 be, uh, we began to share some things with you. So, so unity, it's through our unity uh, that God desires to, 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 to show the legitimacy of Jesus Christ's uh, mission and assignment here on earth. Um, one other thing that Francis Chan said, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm saying this, but these are, these are some things that jumped off the page at me, and I, I think it, it bears worth repeating. He says, take courage in knowing that Jesus prayed that his followers would be, would be united and that he gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us for this. Unity requires a fight. Everybody say unity, unity. requires a fight. And guys, it's impossible to be unified by yourself. Amen. That's why I said earlier, you may say, well, I, I, I'm okay. I can do life. I, I'm just, you know, I don't need a bunch of people around me. But you may not need a bunch of people around you, but God called you to be around people. But how are you going to get somebody saved when you stand at your house 24-7? And you won't let nobody come over to your house, right? You're not hosting a small group at your house because, after all, they may sit on my couch. The one with the, how many of y'all remember? How many of y'all grew up and there was a room in the house that had a couch with plastic on it, and nobody could sit on that couch? That was the good furniture. Anybody remember that? You couldn't go in there. You like, and they had dishes that you couldn't eat off of, right? Some, some, some of us got to get beyond our little eclectic nuances 
and start to be open and say, you know what, if they track a little dirt on my carpet, uh, listen, that's, that's what uh, 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 stain removing and carpet freshness for, I'll vacuum it up when they leave. I felt the spirit up in here. I felt the spirit up in here. So the house that you shouted, when the Lord let you, uh, when you closed on it, he said, give glory to God. Thank God for this beautiful house in the suburbs. And while you were trying to get it, I'm going to use it for ministry until you got it. And I don't want all them folks in my house. And here's, I don't want them looking to see what I got. Guys, we got to become more connected because we're going to see here in a second that Jesus was all about connectivity. Jesus was about pulling people close to him and having them follow him so that as he does the work of ministry, they begin to, uh, what he's doing begins to, to, to infiltrate their hearts and their minds. So we need each other. Look at neighbor, neighbor. I may not like you, but I need you. It's impossible to be unified by yourself. Now, Let's, let's, let's keep moving. Can we keep moving? Um, go, go with me right quick to Ephesians chapter number four. And we're going to look at verses one through six. Unity is, 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 is solidified through authentic community. That's one of the things that one of the tenets of our new members class that we teach is learning how to, to live and exist in authentic community. Community means it's, it's a group coming together or a, how big that group is, we come together and we do life together. We, we spend time together. We encourage one another. We learn from one another. We serve together. And we lift up the name of Jesus together. But I, I, I said earlier, I said, you know, I used to say that, 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 that it, it does, we colorblind. But see, I, I believe that God uses, again, the different ethnicities. He brings them together into one. So the world can see the unity that can happen in the church. And it doesn't matter what, what your ethnicity is. When you come together on the common ground of Christ Jesus, then we can be the church that God called for us to be. That was his plan all along. I told you, Galatians 3 and 8, I keep repeating, I keep repeating, I keep repeating. It says, the gospel was preached the fourth time to Abraham. And he's referencing Genesis 12 chapter when Abraham was called to be the father of many nations. The Greek word ethnos, nationality, different ethnicities. Through Abraham's seed, the seed that we just celebrated on yesterday, that seed that was born in the manger in Bethlehem, through that seed, God was bringing all the ethnicities together into one body. Are y'all tracking with me? So, so all of y'all, there were folks who, I, I promise you there were people who when we did the study on multi ethnic church, they, they disagreed with it. How you going to disagree with God's word? I tell you before, I am perfectly I, I, I know that sometimes I may say some stuff that you have to process. Huh? You got to process it. And I'm okay with processing and asking questions, but I'm never okay when the word, revealed word of God is being shown and you reject it because you don't like it. Or you reject it because I had a bad experience. So because of my experience, I can't go with you, Pastor. Well, listen, we're going to keep moving forward. Some people will get left behind. I love you, but I can't stop moving because you don't want to move. If you don't like the way we move, because we're going to move with the word of God. If you don't like the way we move, we got, we're going to keep moving. We're not going to stop dancing because you don't want to dance. We love you, but we're going to keep on dancing. 
By that man, we'll keep doing the word of God. Are y'all with me? All right, so watch this, watch this. Apostle Paul writing to the saints of Ephesus. Look at what he says here. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. You've been called by whom? Who's writing? Who's he writing to? The church at Ephesus, born again believers. All right, so keep reading. It says, always be humble and gentle. Look, watch. He, you, you would assume that he would have to tell the church this, but he does. Because how many of y'all know we got some arrogant folks in the church? We have some people in the church who think that because they, they have wealth and they have position and title in society, that, 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 that entitles them to rule the church. And, and it's a sad commentary when a pastoral leadership or a, a ministry leadership team defers to the one who has the biggest pocketbook. What did I tell y'all before? What, what, what have I told y'all before? What have I told y'all before? It does not matter what your position is. I thought you could be the president of the United States, but if you come in here, you're going to sit right there. You could be the mayor of the largest city in the country, but if you come, hey, hey, mayor, good to see you. We keep moving. Because this place is reserved for him. This place, this house of worship will worship no one but the Savior. So, so if you think some people want to be made to feel important in the church because they, society makes them, makes them feel to be important. And again, I'm not, I respect every office because we pray for every office, right? Right? What does the Bible tell us to do? Pray for those who are in authority, right? Whether you voted for them or not. Whether you voted for him or not. Let me say it again. Whether you like their policies or not. See, the Holy Spirit just said, Pastor, you said it last time when you taught on that, you went to Scripture. There were some folk who didn't like what you said, and they still hadn't prayed for the president. They didn't pray for Trump. They didn't pray for Obama. They didn't pray for Bush. And they ain't praying for Biden. What all they pray for their guy? But as a believer, you cannot pick and choose what part of the Bible you're going to obey and when you obey it. All right, so if you're feeling some kind of way about that, get out of your feelings and get in the Word and start being obedient. And the church said amen. amen. And they said it again. Amen. And they said it a third time for the Holy Ghost. All right. Okay. I said, so always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. How many of y'all have trouble with this sometimes? Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Let's go, guys. Verse 3. It says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Let's go, guys. Here we go. For there is one body and one spirit. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, verse 5 and 6, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. Unity, unity through authentic, authentic community. He's, 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 he's writing to the church at Ephesus and encouraging them 
to make allowances for each other's faults. What, what is he saying? Guys, I promise you, when you start doing life together with people, uh, you're going to see their faults. I thank God. Listen, Maria and I celebrated 36 years of marital blitz on uh, Friday. 36 years, not marital bliss. I said bliss. It hadn't always been blissful. I need somebody who's been married more than half a second to look at me and be honest. There are some times, guys, when we simply do not agree with each other. And there are some times, guys, when those disagreements can turn into heated fellowship. I'm going to make y'all be honest. How many of y'all out there married have had heated fellowship since you've been saved? Okay, we got some honest folks here. And, 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 and here's what I would argue. And, 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 and if you don't have, because you're two different individuals, generally speaking, if you don't have sometimes when a disagreement, it's probably because somebody's being less than honest. Well, I ain't going to say nothing because I don't want to start nothing. If I say that, they're going to get mad. So you mean to tell me that you, you live with somebody, sleep in the same bed with them, but you're afraid to share what's in your heart with the person who you're living with 24-7? What kind of relationship is that? It's one that's got some falsehood in it. Because I will tell you that, that, that because we're different, you know, Marera and I tend to compliment one another. I'm her tomato to, 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 to her tomato. We move differently. But we complement each other. Where her strengths lie, um, I have some areas where I need to, to be shored up in. And where my strength lies, she has some, you know, some areas where maybe her, it, it can show up some of her weaknesses. But we complement one another. And Danny, when I learned that, I, 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 when I really learned that, I, it took me a while to get there, Scott. It took me a while to get there, Brother Al. But when I really learned that, 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 that when God said, I'm, it's not good for man to be alone, but I'm going to make a helper that's suitable for him. I begin to understand what that really meant. Because she is suitable for me, baby. Can I get a witness? And, and, and because of that, and again, we hadn't always agreed that we, there were times we, we, went, we went through uh, disagreements and, and arguments and, 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 and wanting to leave and that kind of thing. But then that, that, that was, that's when one of, one of us was being selfish. And not being biblical, all right? But, but by and large, guys, I, I promise you, I thank God that we learned what it meant to do marriage God's way. Because until we learn how to do marriage God's way, that was a bunch of selfishness. Even, how many of y'all have been saved and selfish? Oh, come on, come on. We are naturally selfish. We don't, we don't have to be taught to be selfish. You come into the world as a kid, and kids in the room playing, they can have their own ball, but they want your ball. You don't have to be taught to be selfish, but God, I thank God for, for, for the unity that's been, been brought together when we learn how to do marriage God's way. So he, he's encouraging them to, 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 to do that. So we said Jesus in community, we talked about it on last week. So uh, it, it's important. We said Jesus built community by teaching people in groups, both large and small. His pattern for doing so was as follows. Number one was selection. We, we began to pick on this last week, selection. How many of y'all know it's good to be chosen? Jesus called a few men to follow him who could bear witness to his life and carry on his work after he returned to the Father. Now, 
I was thinking about this all week, guys, and, and really to, to understand how significant Jesus' selection process was, you have to really go back and understand something about the Jewish and the Hebraic culture, okay, when it came to selecting, when it, come, when it came to rabbis, when it came to uh, those who followed the teachers of, the, uh, teachers of their rabbis. So can, can, we, can we go back and interject ourselves into Jewish culture and custom at the time? And I think it'll, it'll, it'll make this pop off the page uh, to you with what Jesus did. Well, first of all, uh, how many of y'all ever heard the phrase, knowledge is power? Have y'all heard that before? Knowledge is power. Uh, historically, the Jewish people lived by that motto with one caveat. Here's the caveat. The knowledge that leads to power must come from the Holy Scriptures. Okay? The knowledge that leads to power must come from the Holy Scripture. And for this reason, the Jews have long been called the people of the book. In other words, this was evident in the way that the children and adults in that culture were taught. Now, again, I would tell you that there are significant differences uh, between the Jewish system of education and our Greek or Western culture in our approach to, uh, to, to education. First of all, the object and aim of the Hebrew system is knowledge of God. Everybody say knowledge of God. And the object and aim of the Greek system or our Western system is know thyself. Okay? There's, there's, a, there's a term that in the Hebrew system is called deaf Elohim, which means knowledge of God. And, and so, uh, so th- they start with knowing God first. We start with knowing self. The Hebrew system starts with God, and the only true wisdom is the knowledge of God. If you can, guys, pop up Proverbs, the ninth chapter, verse number 10 for me right quick. Proverbs chapter 9, and we're going to look at verse number 10. Listen to this real carefully, okay? Proverbs chapter number 9, verse number 10. I'll begin to read this. Fear of the Lord is what? Is the foundation of what? Wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in what? I need just to read that out loud on purpose. Y'all ready? Let's read. Fear is the foundation of wisdom. Now, guys, when it says fear, it's talking about reverential respect for. When you reverence something, that means you respect it enough to honor what it stands for. Are you with me today? Reverence, reverence of the Lord, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Pop up Proverbs 1 and 7 for me right quick. Proverbs 1 and 7. Proverbs 1 and 7. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right. All right. Let's. I need us to read that again because I need it to sink in into your heart real quickly, okay? I need that to sink into your heart real quickly. Let's read it out loud on purpose. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline, or KDB says wisdom and instruction, okay? Wisdom and instruction. So what are you saying, Pastor? Uh, well, I, my, my observation after 32 years of pastoring is that, that everybody in the church doesn't really want to follow Jesus real closely. 
Have y'all discovered that? There are people in your family who think you go to church too much, that you study too much. There are members of this church who, who you know, our discipleship training program, the way we've done it the last couple of years is we've done church-wide studies so that we all will be focusing on the same thing, learning uh, at the same time. But there are members of this church who, uh, because they're not ready to follow Jesus Christ closely, they won't ever sign up. And you know some of them too. Because some of y'all have tried to convince them. How are you going to try to convince somebody to study the word of God? Oh, let me back up. Why are you trying to convince somebody to study the word of God when the Bible t- lets us know that that's a part of our spiritual discipline? And as a member of the church, as the church uh, uh, begins to move in a certain direction uh, in a certain course of study, but you are a member of the church, but you choose not to participate. Got real quiet, didn't it? How is it that when the scripture says, can I just read what it says? I'm going to read what it says so you don't think it's me picking on you. Fit, fit, reverence or respect to the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Is it any wonder that you're not understanding the things of God because you don't reverence the word of God enough to take time to spend with it? Now, you ain't got no problem spending time with Facebook or is it Meta now? Y'all know Facebook changed the name, right? Y'all didn't know that? Y'all didn't know that? Okay, the, the corporation changed their name because of all the negative feedback they were getting from all of the, the dashly things that they knew were going on. Some of the stuff that been, they were allowed to be posted to kind of get you all at odds with each other. So they changed the name. But, you know, it, it's still what it is. It is what it is. I'm not saying that the tool can't be used. I'm just saying use it for good. But anytime you have a tool, the enemy's going to come in and try to mess the tool up. So just understand that, okay? Fear the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline or wisdom and instruction. So if I am a part of a ministry and I refuse, for whatever reason, to not engage in the ministry discipleship training model, then... What I'm saying is, is that, Pastor, I heard what you said, but you know what? That, that's not for me. And you got to ask, ask, ask yourself the question, why is it that I feel that way? Why is it that, that I don't have a, a desire to really know God better? Well, I do. You can't tell me that I don't, Pastor. That's, you, you, you don't know what's in my heart. All I know is what the Word says. John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. So you said you love Jesus, you love God, where if God and his word are one and the same, then how come you don't like to spend any time with God? What I do spend time with God, what you do spend time with his word, because in the beginning was the word, was with God, the word was God. So I can't, see, here's what I'm, at this stage in my life, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, but they say old folks don't care what they say. I'm not really old, but I, but I do care what I say. How many of y'all have been around somebody else and they look and say, mm, boy, you getting fat. <laughs> now, you know, on the surface, you, think you give them a pass because they're 85. But inside, you're like, I can't believe they just talked about me. Now, at 58, guys, 
I realize that my time is short. I'm not going to be doing this for the next 50 years. And somebody else is going to come along after me. But while I am here, I'm going to do my dead level best to make sure you understand what God requires of thee. Now, it's up to you whether or not you do what God requires of you. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you never engage in the study of God's word, do you really love God? Because God is word of one and the same. It would be like me telling Maria that I love her, but I don't do anything with her. I spend no time with her. I actually, you know, spend all my time with the boys. I spend all my time uh, watching sports on television, hunting, fishing, golfing, and never spend any time with her. Then something is wrong with my profession of love. Amen? If you love something, I promise you it's going to show up in how you deal with it, the time you spend with it. Think about this for a second. When you were trying to get, get that person, how many of y'all dated your wife, your spouse, your husband before you married? Hopefully you did. You, <laughs> you, spent, you, you spent time with them, didn't you? You spent time, uh, you know, Listening to them, right? Now all of a sudden you can't listen. Now all of a sudden you don't have time to sit down and listen to that person who when, you, when, y'all, were, when y'all were dating, you're on the phone three or four hours. Am I the only one that's on the phone three or four hours? And this was during the time of long distance. How many of y'all remember long distance? Anybody remember that? Hey, all you young cats out there, there was a time when you talked to somebody who was not in your immediate area, you had to pay extra money to talk to them. And I'm like, what? What is long distance, Pastor? <laughs> I tell y'all, the summer I came home after meeting Maria in January at Tech, and I was over here working, half my check went to helping Mama and them pay the phone bill. Because <laughs> I would literally fall asleep on the phone talking. We would, we would. So how is it now that we've been married 20 years, then I can't have a five-minute conversation? Something is wrong with my focus, if that's the case with you. All right. So if you love God, we got to pursue him. True love is shown in what we do, not what we say. Talk is cheap. Ever say talk is cheap. Now, again, let's get back here. The Hebrew system starts with God and the only true wisdom is the knowledge of God. Contrary, the Greek system starts from the knowledge of man and seeks to rise to an understanding of the ways in nature of God through the knowledge of what is called man's higher nature. So we start with our nature, but God said the Hebrew, the Hebrew system start with knowledge of God. Now, understanding those differences is important if we want to truly understand how Jesus taught and what it means for us to call him our rabbi, our teacher today. Now watch this for a second. According to the Jews, studying the Torah, the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, studying the Torah was the highest way of bringing glory to God. And so, so schooling in their culture in the Jewish culture, consisted of uh, um, uh, it consisted of, uh, of three st- three stages. Each one of those stages advancing progressively with more difficult uh, questions and more difficult training. So here's how it started, guys. Now I'm saying all this to get you to understand. When you look at how Jesus chose those to follow him, it was it was glaringly different than the way 
the rabbis of the day did it. Okay. Um, well, first of all, at, eight, at the age of five, boys and girls would enter what is called the house of the book or Bet Sefer. It's B-E-T-S-E-F-E-R. I may, be, I may be saying that right and I may not be, but maybe half of us don't know anyhow. So I'm just going to say it that way. If you're not a Greek scholar, you probably don't, a Hebrew scholar, you don't, you don't, you just take it like it sounds, okay? So it's called, can I go with the English version, the house of book? And, and where reading and writing were taught using the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? Then next students uh, would graduate to the house of learning, where they would study the rest of the books of the Old Testament and a fragmented form of the oral law, Okay? Then thirdly, the brightest students then graduate to what's called the house of study. And the vast majority who didn't go past the interest exam to this level of study, and there were many of them that didn't, they returned to their family business. They were either carpenters, they were fishermen and farmers by and large, okay? And before entering this doctoral level of education in the house of study, these would-be disciples, most of whom were about between the ages of 15, 14, and 15 years old, they will administer, administer a series of tests given by the head rabbi on various topics such as the Torah, tradition, law, and customs. So they, again, we had the house of book, five years old, boys and girls studying, uh, using the Torah, the house of learning, uh, and then the house of study. But if the rabbi, hear me careful, if the rabbi thought the student could make the cut, he extended an invitation to follow him until the age of 30, which is when most rabbis begin their own ministry. Now, again, remember this. They will literally have to apply to go study on this rabbi. They were approaching the rabbi, and it was, a, it was prestigious for them to be able to get up, sit up on this rabbi, someone like Gamaliel, one of those cats, okay? So it was a privilege to go. So they, they went and applied, similar to like when you apply for school. Some schools you apply for, you may not get in. You may not get into Harvard. You may not get into Yale. You may not get into Princeton. But you may can get into this other school. So, so this was a, 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 a prestigious process they were going through. They would wait for the, the rabbis would wait for the brightest students to approach them with applications to study. Yet Jesus, a Nazarene who had earned the title of rabbi, he wasn't waiting for people to come to him. Mm, thank God. He was out walking the shoreline and looking for potential candidates. While most rabbis of that day would, would, would quiz their prospective candidates, asking them some tough, difficult questions uh, about various laws and customs to see where their mental capacity was, amen, to find out if they truly had what it take to continue with a formal Jewish education, Jesus was busy eyeing Four fishermen coming in from having fished and, and, and maybe hadn't caught anything and they were doing their fishing business. Because remember, if they didn't make it to this, 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 this third stage, the house of study, many of them went back to their, 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 the business of their family. Were they farmers, they were carpenters, or they were fishermen? So I would surmise that these guys that Jesus is calling here didn't make the cut to follow some of the rabbis of that day. I told you on last week, he did not choose what we would consider to be the best and the brightest. Go to 1 Corinthians with me right quick. I, I need y'all to go here real quick, okay? Can y'all, are y'all still with me? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 
verse number 18. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and we're going to look at verse number 18. Jesus does stuff uniquely different than the way the world does things. Again, he, he came to establish kingdom theology, the kingdom, the kingdom of God. He talked an awful lot about the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things here on earth. We're, listen, guys, we're not going to wait till we get to heaven to operate under kingdom principles. We should be having kingdom principles operate down here on earth. He told us to pray that, did it? Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now watch, watch this. Here's Paul. Paul says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Verse 19, as the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Back that up, back that up, back that up. Watch this. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, those who are wise according to this world system, and discard the intelligence of the intelligent, those who think they're smarter than God. Have y'all ever met those kind of folks who think they're smarter than God? Who think you are foolish for believing in a Savior? A, a, a Jewish baby boy that was born in a manger in Bethlehem, went to the cross of Calvary. You believe that? They call you ignorant. But watch this. Look at the next verse. Watch this. He says this. So, so where does this lead the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look what? He's made the wisdom of this world look what? Foolish. Keep reading. Uh, so where does it, so since God in his wisdom saw to it, saw, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. God chose preaching to get us saved. Now, again, if you were in charge and I were in charge, you, you probably would have sent an angel to just, 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 just kind of just radiate in the sky and say, okay, you got to believe now because you see the angel. But people saw angels and still didn't believe. Some entertained them unaware, as the Bible says. Keep reading. He says, uh, it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So, so when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. All right, keep reading. He says, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25 says what? This foolish plan of God, foolish according to the world's way of looking at it, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Keep that, guys. Don't, 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 don't miss that. It says, the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Next verse. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes. When God, when Christ went about selecting, that's why I want to share with you about the Jewish custom of selecting the best and the brightest to follow the rabbi. These guys here, because by virtue of them not being by virtue of them not being in, quote, uh, the tutelage of a rabbi at this time, they, they probably didn't make the cut and they went back to their family's business. They were not considered the best and the brightest. But guess what? Whom God chooses, that's who he chooses. I'm glad he chose me. I'm glad to be chosen. How many of y'all have, how many, how many have been looked over before? How many of y'all were the last person to be picked for the pickup game? How many of y'all sat there and waited by the phone hoping that somebody would call you and ask you to go to homecoming? But the call never came. You were not chosen. 
How many of y'all were, 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 were applying for the job and, and you applied 15 times for different jobs and you were not the one chosen? But look at this, guys. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that fear you were wise in the world's eyes are powerful or wealthy when God called you. Verse 27. Instead, watch this. God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are what? Powerful. Why does he do this, guys? God, God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. Maybe you were not thought of very much in your particular surrounding, where you came from, and maybe people didn't think much of you, but guess what? God chose you. God chose you. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing the world that can, what the world considers to be important. Why did he do it, guys? As a result, why did he do it? No one could ever boast in the presence of God. Put that in the KJV. I love the way the KJV reads on this, guys. It's, hey, why did God do this? Why did God choose those who were not necessarily the brightest in the class, the straight-edge students, not necessarily the one who had the, who's deemed to have the most attention? He, 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 he chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, what? So that no flesh should glory in his presence. In other words, you can't be bragging about you did this because you got this, this much skill set. You got this much money. You have this much uh, title. You have, your family is this. Your family is that. And we this and that other. God chose those things that seem to be insignificant so that no flesh could glory in his presence. So that you don't take the glory for what he did. How many of y'all have ever had God do something in your life? It was, you couldn't give the glory to nobody but him. Your family couldn't help you. Your, your people in your job couldn't help you. Even your church couldn't help you. But God, amen, stepped in and he turned that situation around and now you're giving him glory because you couldn't do it by yourself. So God chose. He chose him. the fishermen. Listen, guys, the fishermen we meet in the gospel uh, were, were, were struggling to fill their nets. They were, they were former students who weren't good enough to be called to follow a rabbi after they had graduated from the house of study. Then one day, there stood a rabbi before them, the rabbi calling their names even though they didn't measure up. Glory be to God. They didn't measure up. And many of y'all sitting today just like I am, I don't think I measure up. I'm just doing what God told me to do. I told you on last week, I don't know why God called me to do what I'm doing today. I was the most unlikely candidate to be doing what I'm doing. But he chose me to do this. And when he chose me, here's how he chose me. He placed me on the heart of, of some of the, 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 the stalwarts of this church of those, all those 32 some odd years ago. The, um, you know, the Margene Galloways of the world and Sister Eva Mae Henrys and the Charles Hardimans and, and others who, who, who were praying. And, and God, this is my home church, guys. Some people say, don't go pastor your home church. Your family's there. Everybody knows you there. They know you by your nickname. They call you a little fella back in the day. <laughs> but once I prayed and God gave me a release, I said yes, even though I didn't think I was qualified. I told you about A.W. Tozer, right, on last week. Had a grammar school education. But, but, it's, but it's consistently known as one of the greatest philosophers, even known as a modern prophet in his day. Uh, he, he was not the most educated. I, I got a bachelor's degree from Louisiana Tech, the Louisiana Tech University in Ruston. 
I just need to tell you all that just, just in case you're wondering. But my degree from tech does not make me qualified to do what I'm doing. It's the call of God on my life. And I'm not, I'm not down in education because, listen, education has opened doors for me. But what I'm telling you is, is that God will call people. He did it in the scripture. He called these guys who did not have the formal Jewish education, the training, were not considered the best of the, best of the brightest, but he chose them. And they transformed the world. And God, is, God used those who didn't measure up to, to, to take his gospel around the world. So no flesh can glory in his presence. Jesus went, Jesus went against the typical pattern of his fellow rabbis by selecting his own disciples himself rather than waiting for a line of would-be students to form. He is the first rabbi in history to go after his own followers. And God, Jesus Christ, amen, our teacher is coming after you. He says, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. So the selection process. Guys, Jesus discipled the 12 men who would later change the world. He taught them. He gradually released them into ministry through a four-step process. And in my eight minutes remaining, let me give you these four-step process. I promise you I'm going to finish. Because it's the day after Christmas. I'm going to finish on time. You say, what they got to do with the tea in China? But it's nothing. I just thought I'd just say that. Watch this, guys. Selection. Look at me. I, I need everybody. Look at me. Look at me dead in the eye. You've been chosen. You've been chosen. God chose you. I don't care if your family didn't want you. I don't care if, if your ex-husband didn't want you, your ex-wife didn't want you. I don't care if, if, if the place where you were would were, were disregard you. God chose you. He called you. He thought enough of you to go to the cross of Calvary to die for your sins. And he's calling you. You don't have to make any kind of measurement or standard other than be, a, be willing to surrender your heart to him. It boggles my mind how sometimes even in the church, we get sideways and we, 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 we don't have a unity because we, we, we use all kinds of stuff to select who we think is a person who's, who's uh, uh, the one to do whatever we need to be doing in the church. God, I'll tell you before, God is just looking for servants. As a pastor, I'm not looking for folks who are looking for titles. I'm looking for folks who, who say, I want to serve. And in 2022, guys, we, we're hitting the ground running, serving. Amen. Putting this gospel into action, showing the world how when people come together on the common ground of Christ Jesus, we are unified in Christ. And no matter what you say, I don't care how you talk, you're not going to pull me away from my brothers in Christ. Amen. We're going to go with God. We're going to be an example. We're going to be ambassadors for Christ. We're going to build this church. Amen. And whosoever will, let them come. Doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. You don't have to ask me, is it okay if I come anymore? It's okay. It's always been okay. Because we're doing it God's way. We're following God's plan for his church. And any church that, that, that has the audacity, that has the audacity to not welcome somebody because they look different on the outside, God's going to write Ichabod over your door. The Lord has departed. How dare you? You think about this from a historical context. How dare someone take the house of God 
and separate people because of what they look like on the outside. That, that's, that's some bold, audacious, almost idol godness to think that you have the authority to keep someone from coming to where the Holy Spirit may be leading them. I'm telling you, if anybody thinks that way, you know, I'm not so naive to, 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 to believe that everybody's mind is right, but you better not come to me with that mess. Did y'all hear me? I'm not a cussing preacher, and I will not curse you. But I will sit down with you, and, and I will talk with you, and I will tell you, listen, baby, if you don't want to follow Jesus, this may not be the place for you. And, and, and you can't plead ignorance because we, we, we spent, what, four months studying it, theologically. Again, I told y'all before when we first started this, this series on God's plan uh, for, uh, for his church, uh, I told you racial diversity of churches is never to be the end goal. Biblical racial justice, reconciliation, and authentic unity are the end goals. We said pursuit of, of a multi-ethnic church and likewise a multi-ethnic Christian life must be firmly rooted in God's word. Racism is ultimately a spiritual problem. And third, we said, as history proves time and time again, no earthly attempt relying on human effort can truly change the heart. Only God can do this. And we'll do this when we allow the spirit to speak to us through the scripture. So I'm staying with the word. And if, if, if you want to discuss scripture, let's discuss scripture. But I'm not going to discuss uh, what your mom and them said and, and, and what happened here. We, we can talk about it, but you got you to learn to move forward because we're moving. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, we're moving. And I like the way we're moving because it's part of God's plan for his church. All right. So, so I love you and I'm willing to have discussion for you, but I don't entertain foolishness. Okay. Is that okay? Is it okay not to entertain foolishness? Some of y'all entertain foolishness too much. That's why you keep getting foolishness. That's why every time you have a family gathering, there's foolishness because you entertain it. I just choose not to entertain it. Show me the word. If you show me the word, I'm okay with it. But if not, this is your opinion. I don't want your opinion. Everybody's got an opinion like a nose. Everybody got one. But for something that is clearly explained in Scripture, but you chose not to even study it. You chose not to study it. You chose not to study the theological construct for the multi-ethnic church. I'm not talking to anybody here. I don't think. But if I am, I still love you. And we're going to keep moving, but we're moving. God, I told you, I sat there, my, I, 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 I sat there and cried like a baby because God says, this is the mantle that I put on this church for this area. And I'm not saying we're the only church that's doing this. By God, that would be arrogant in itself to make a statement like that. There are many churches who are doing the very same thing, who are pushing Jesus and all this other stuff. It's got to go. Because, guys, we're living in the last days. I, I, am, I, I firmly believe that we are the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. That Jesus will crack the sky. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught together to meet the Lord in the, in the, in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I believe that we are the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. Watch. Oh, I said I was going to finish on time. But, all right, number one. <laughs> I got sidetracked. First, 
Jesus ministered and the disciples watched him. Just write down Matthew 5, chapter 5 through 7. First, it's four-step process. First, Jesus ministered and the disciples watched him. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught God's truth while the disciples observed, listened, and learned as a part of the crowd. That's the first step. When Jesus went into the synagogue and healed the lame, cleansed the lepers, and gave healing to the deaf, the disciples were there to watch it. Mark chapter 1. Okay? So first step is Jesus ministered and the disciples watched. Second, Jesus allowed the disciples to assist him in ministry. When Jesus fed the, the multitude, he broke the bread and performed the miracle, but the disciples distributed the supernatural meal to the crowd and they collected the surplus. You see that in John, the sixth chapter, verse 1 through 13. Don't have time to go there, but read it when you get home. All right? First thing was Jesus ministered and disciples watched. Second, Jesus allowed the disciples to assist him in ministry. Third, the disciples did the ministry themselves with Jesus' assistance. Just jot down Mark, the ninth chapter. The disciples did the ministry themselves with Jesus' assistance. Jesus came from what is called the Mount of Transfiguration and called and walked straight out into a crowd that was in an uproar. <laughs> the disciples had been trying to, to, to cast a demon from a boy who was possessed and they were failing miserably. Any of ever failed miserably? <laughs> but Jesus stepped in, cast out the demon and made the boy whole. And Jesus kind of Jesus got him a little bit for not having any faith. Y'all know that, right? How many of y'all know sometimes Jesus will get on you a little bit for not walking in faith? How many of y'all know sometimes Jesus will kind of, he will, he will need to chasten us because he loves us because when we get out of line, any of y'all ever got out of line since you've been saved? Oh, come on, come on, come on. Any of y'all ever got out of line since you've been saved? Come on. Huh? Any of y'all thought a bad thought or said the wrong thing or, 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 or decided that you're going to take your Bible and go home because you're mad about something in the church? You ever felt that way? But thank God to stay. He's still here. And I can, love, I can love you for feeling a certain way and then coming back to the word of God. So you know what? My feelings are indicating that something is wrong in my heart. Thank God for the feelings. But I ain't going to let my feelings guide me. I ain't going nowhere, devil. You a liar. And this is what the Holy Spirit told me to be. Even though I'm feeling a certain way, I'm staying where I, what the Holy Ghost told me. All right? Third, again, again, third. third what, what do we say? We say, the disciples did the ministry themselves with Jesus' sister. And f- finally, finally, Jesus watched, Jesus watched as the disciples ministered to others. He sent them out with instructions to go into the world, cast out demons, preach the gospel. And notice what they, notice what they said. Pop up Luke 10 and 17. This is the final scripture. We, we, we're going to be finished. Luke 10 and 17. He sent them out with instructions to go into the world. He, could, he didn't start out... You know, it wasn't that they just started walking with him and all of a sudden he sent them out. That was a process. They watched him first. And then they assisted him. And then they were ministering and Jesus came along and assisted them. And then finally he watched. Jesus watched as the disciples ministered. Look what he said. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. So now they're, they're, they're flowing in ministry now where they're going out representing him under the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit even so that demons tremble and obey when they use the name of Jesus. So he called them. He selected. Can I get a witness? He selected them, but his selection is different than the world system of selection. Are y'all with me today? Jesus called. I'm glad he called me and you. 
We may not be the best and the brightest. We may not have been chosen uh, the most likely to succeed in our high school class, whatever it may be. Some of y'all may, may have was, but, but, but that, that has nothing to do with Jesus' call on your life. He loves you. He wants the very best for you, and he wants to use you to advance kingdom principle. Now, we'll keep moving because unity is important. I need you. You need me. We all need each other. Are you with me? Every head, body, by close.